Welcome back to week 15 in the NFL here on Line em Up. We are lining up some fantasy playoff matchups, some real-life playoff matchups as things get down to the wire in the NFL. And lining everything up, as always, with me today is Eric. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you guys are enjoying this holiday season and staying safe and warm out there. Uh, it's unfortunate that we don't have Brendan, our shadow producer, back yet, but... Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have the whole family back together again soon. Maybe that'll be our Christmas present, Eric, on Line Them Up, is that we get shadow producer Brendan to step out of the shadows and uh, once again join us. We would only be so lucky. Uh, but as we move into the Christmas season, there are some NFL teams who are definitely feeling like Santa is leaving them some early presents, and there are some NFL teams that are looking like they are heading for some coal Uh Maybe more, none more so than the Pittsburgh Steelers on that last one after uh, putting up a valiant effort in the second half, but ultimately losing last week on Thursday night, 36-28 to against the Vikings. Dalvin Cook, who was questionable to play all right up until kickoff, uh, did play, and boy did he play well, running for 200 yard, plus yards and two touchdowns. Then a matchup between two... AFC North teams, the sort of the John versus Eric Bowl. This round goes to the Browns, who did win 24 to 22. Worth mentioning that Lamar Jackson did go out pretty early in that game with an ankle injury, and he is also questionable to play this week. So we'll definitely talk about that when we get to the Ravens matchup in Week 15. I don't believe uh, the Baker Browns. Mays- I don't believe the Browns covered either. So you guys, you technically won. So so that was, that was, that was the, uh, I think this is the closest game in terms of the line that there's been all season. Literally the Ravens were two and a half point underdogs and lost by two. So they, so they backdoor covered by half a point. Uh, well, we technically have a few pushes this year, but that's true. Yeah, Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I think that's the closest. I guess I should say it's the closest one where we actually had uh, a decision one true, way or true. the other. Uh, now, a pretty decisive decision in this Titans Jaguars game. Titans twenty, Jaguars zero. Titans defense all over uh, the wreck of an offense that Urban Meyer is putting together for his Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't really want to put the blame on anybody else because clearly his fingerprints are all over that in the wrong way. Titans D four interceptions, three sacks, six tackles for loss. And they battered around Trevor Lawrence to the tune of 10 quarterbacks hits in what was a pretty surprising result. Uh, chiefs 48 Raiders, nine chiefs defense. Once again, really freaking good. Uh, four forced fumbles and inter or four fumble recoveries. I should say an interception, four sacks. And they returned one of those fumbles for a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes pretty on point. 20 to 24, 258 yards, two touchdowns in that one. Saints all over the Jets. Alvin Kamara back in in full force. Uh, 140 total yards and a touchdown. Cowboys sort of sneak out this win because the Washington football team did make a push late in the game, but the Cowboys were able to hold them off 27 to 20. Cowboys defense was really good. Uh, Micah Parsons, who is a pretty much shoe-in for defensive rookie of the year and is also getting some buzz for defensive player of the year. Uh, a big force in that one is the Cowboys defense had four fumble recoveries and interception five sacks and also had a fumble return for a touchdown. 
Falcons 29, Panthers 21. Not much to say here. Falcons defense looked pretty good. Panthers deep or Panthers offense, even without Joe Brady anymore involved, still looked questionable. Uh, and so the Falcons get the win there. Seahawks continue to surge just a little bit, albeit against the lowly Texans as they win 33 to 13. Tyler Lockett, who I believe in one of our fantasy leagues, and we'll get to fantasy in a little bit, uh, Brendan pretty much gave up on earlier in the year. Well, probably shouldn't have done that. Five receptions, 142 yards, and one touchdown for Lockett there. Then in a surprise in the sense that we were all on the Lions taking the points last week, Eric even going so far as saying that the Lions might win this game. They did not win. Broncos 38, Lions 10, as uh, I'm sure a lot of the Broncos were playing with heavy hearts after the unfortunate passing of former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas. Uh, And so maybe that was a bit of a motivation, win one for Demarius, and win they did. Chargers 37, Giants 21. Justin Herbert, again, really, really good in this one. Uh, 275 yards passing, three touchdowns, also added 19 yards on the ground. And what was a huge win, but a close win uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, they prevail in overtime 26-23 over the Cincinnati Bengals. George Kittle with another massive performance, 13 receptions, 151 yards, and one touchdown. I believe it may have been the first time ever or the first time in a really long time that a tight end has gone for 150-plus receiving yards in back-to-back games. And so George Kittle really, you know, providing a massive push for the 49ers as they try to solidify their playoff position. In another matchup of playoff contenders, Buccaneers 33, Bills 28, also in overtime. Tom Brady get once again really good, 30, 363 yards, three total touchdowns, including one on the ground. Uh, in a game that didn't quite cover, uh, even though we all expected it to, Packers 45, Bears 30, Aaron Rodgers still very much an owner of the Chicago Bears. 341 yards, four total touchdowns, and he found Devontae Adams early and often to the tune of 10 catches for 121 yards. And in easily the most important game for playoff positioning and perhaps the game of the week overall on Monday night, Rams 30, Cardinals 23. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, the best friends in L.A., once again doing their thing. Stafford, 287 yards, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup, 13 catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. And after we've gone all through those scores, Eric, I know that leaves me really excited to talk about week 15. But before we get ahead of ourselves to there, what were your big takeaways from week 14 and all the action that went on? I think the two main stories that intrigued me the most were actually the Urban Meyer stories and how he's still the coach of the Jaguars after the turmoil that they've had. And it baffles the mind. It really baffles the mind. And yeah, and not playing James Robinson, one of their best players from last year, and getting Marvin Jones Jr., uh, one of the best players on the Detroit Lions and also a good wide receiver on the Jaguars now, uh, having walk out of the room uh, during one of their team sessions, is my understanding. And then a recent story that came out today where, I mean, it looks like during warm-ups, uh, one of their previous kickers, Josh Lambert, who's no longer with the team, uh, while he was stretching, John, uh, Urban just came up and like kicked him and like told him to make his kicks um, as more of a paraphrase uh, and more of an inappropriate thing for a coach to do. So it's absolutely amazing amidst all this after he's clearly lost the locker room that he's still the coach of this team. Yeah, I just have to believe. So they are a half game out, I guess you would say, of the number one pick. They're at 2-11. Two, two and 11. The Detroit Lions are at 1-11. And, and so 
my only explanation for why Shad Khan and the ownership in Jacksonville have not pulled the plug on this Urban Meyer experiment yet is that maybe they think they could sneak into that first overall pick conversation and they're just letting him sort of continue to sink their ship for a little bit longer. Um, but you got to feel, I think, for Trevor Lawrence too because he's getting absolutely no help in his development as a rookie and we all know that the talent is there, but it's not being utilized in any effective way. And so, yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars, absolute dumpster fire. If Urban Meyer is not fired at the latest uh, after, you know, the Monday after the Week 18 game, I will be absolutely shocked. Absolute wild story. And the, the other story that uh, I was kind of intrigued by was actually from the Steelers game and the heat that Chase Claypool was getting. Uh, near the end of the game where he was kind of showboating and uh, not getting rushing back to the line. And then based on the video that I saw, he was getting uh, frustrated as linemen. Or maybe there's a different story that came out for that for getting in his way after it was clearly Chase Claypool's fault. And a lot of people on uh, the Twitterverse or media were uh, calling out his childishness. Um, overall and not being able to keep his head in the game. So it's kind of questionable, and I'm curious to see how that's going to play out in this upcoming week for the Steelers, whether he's in Tomlin's doghouse or, I don't know, maybe he's back in the place, but he's been uh, kind of a another one of those, I hate to say, like Steelers wide receiver divas that's kind of, kind of unfolding here. Yeah, I think the issue that the Steelers have is that they are overall, of, at least on offense especially, a very young team, but because of who their quarterback is and because of who their head coach is, there are certain expectations. And was Claypool uh, kind of a dummy in everything that he was doing? Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, you talk about whether Tomlin's going to sort of bench him or, or sort of limit his staffs. I don't know if the Steelers can afford that. Chase Claypool is still a really good player. He needs to absolutely mature in a big way. Uh, I think, Ryan Clark, a former Steelers player now working for ESPN, may have said it the best, where he said that Claypool's uh, is as underdeveloped in terms of maturity and professionalism right now as he is overdeveloped as an athlete in the sense that Chase Claypool is a giant man with freakish athleticism. And so you would hope that, especially with the kind of coach that Mike Tomlin is and and you know how he always garners rave reviews from pretty much anybody associated with the NFL. You would hope that, you know, he could get these, these guys on the same page, get Claypool in, locked in and focused and in the mindset of a team fighting for a playoff position. Uh, but we'll see. I, I don't have a lot of faith where the Steelers are now. I believe uh, most analytical projections uh, put their playoff chances at around 10%. Uh, and that seems about right because frankly, they have a hard schedule uh, down the stretch, and they need to win probably about three of their four last games to even have a prayer of making it into the playoffs, as we all expect that seven seed to fall right at around nine and seven, or in their case, it would be nine, six, and one. Isn't it? Wait, nine and eight. Well, so, yeah, yeah, nine and eight. Okay. Sorry, sorry, nine, sorry. Six, so they'd be nine, seven, and one. Yes, yeah, okay. sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> still getting the used. Game. <laughs> still, still getting used to the seventeen game schedule. But um, otherwise, but they are. Okay, got it. Yeah, they are. They are six and six and six, six and one right now. I think it would be tough for them to even have a chance at making the playoffs at anything short of nine, seven, and one. And given who that they who they play down the stretch, 
I just don't know if that's going to happen. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to say, otherwise, for the rest of these games, kind of moving on, I, I think it's kind of the day at the office for most of these teams, so not, not terribly surprising. I don't know if there's any, any others that you would like to call out, John. No, I just... Uh, so I wanted to focus this week because I think it's absolutely fascinating that in both conferences, there is a three-way tie right now for the best record in the conference. Uh, in the NFC, with the... Uh, Packers on by and the Cardinals lose or yeah the Cardinals losing to the Rams Buccaneers holding serve winning that game against the Bills everyone is now at 10 and 3 Packers are the de facto are the number one seed based on tiebreakers right now and then in the AFC Patriots Titans and Chiefs all at 9 and 4 as the Patriots were also on by Titans and Chiefs getting their job done in week 14 and so i'm fascinated and eric i just want to you know get pick your brain on this one we have four weeks left in the season we're in the final stretch of this regular season gearing up for the playoffs and from where you stand who do you think in these conferences has the edge when it comes to getting that number one seed which as you know you may or may not remember listeners that is the only seed that now gets a buy so more than ever, there are higher stakes for getting this number one seed, being able to rest up and be, you know, be healthy and at your full capacity heading into that second round of the playoffs. And so from where you said, Eric, who do you think is maybe in the best position to get that number one seed in this conference? And who may it mean the most to as well? Because I think for some teams, it, it, that may mean a little bit more than the others. Uh, for me, so for our listeners, for those who may have listened pretty early on, my playoff predictions for the seeding were actually the Buccaneers being the number one overall seed in the NFC and the Kansas City Chiefs being the number one overall seed in the AFC. And based on how it's lining up now, I think I would stick with my prediction at the beginning of the season. I still believe that the Buccaneers and Chiefs are the best in their respective divisions, or not necessarily the best, but also the most likely to pull out uh, wins against their projected matchups at the moment. Uh, I think the Buccaneers have a pretty reasonable schedule for the rest of the way out in the NFC, playing the Saints, Panthers twice, and then the Jets. Uh, Cardinals also also have a favorable schedule, but I think uh, to your question of which one would probably want the buy the most, there's arguments, I think, for all three. But I think for now, based on hearing that DeAndre Hopkins might be out for an extended period of time, uh, I think the Cardinals would definitely want their extra week to recover, have their top and wide receiver recover. Though, I mean, the Packers and Buccaneers also have uh, aging quarterbacks that might uh, be able to leverage that extra week of rest. But I, at the moment, I think the Buccaneers pulled that out. And on the AFC side, I would say, I mean, I'm hearing news that Derrick Henry might come back. So if there was any team that would definitely want that extra week for that possibility of Derrick Henry coming back, it'd definitely be the Titans, right? So they would definitely want it the most, but I think the, the Chiefs, in my opinion, being one of the hottest teams in the league would be the ones that I would favor to take the one, number one overall seed in the AFC. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to these questions, there are two slam dunk answers here. I think you touched on both of them. I think the Buccaneers should clearly be considered the favorites in the NFC to get that number one seed just based on schedule. Now I will say I expect the Packers to be favored in all of their remaining four matchups. Now that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to win all four of them because I could definitely see them 
a situation where they come out of this stretch three and one, the Buccaneers come out of the stretch four and zero, oh, and the Buccaneers squeak out that number one seed. As far as the other slam dunk answer, I think absolutely without a doubt in the AFC, the team that needs the number one seed the most is the Titans, but I also view them as the team least likely to get there. Now, you know, crazier things have happened in the NFL before, but I think they could be challenged this week against the Steelers. I think they definitely will be challenged uh, in the next week's game against the 49ers. And I don't think the cake the game versus the Dolphins will be a cakewalk by any means given, you know, how banged up they are offensively. And so I think, you know, they need that number one seed to get the bye, to get healthy. I don't know that they're going to get it. Now, as far as who I think will get it in the AFC, it's tough. Neither the Patriots nor the Chiefs schedule is, you know, super favorable. The Patriots have a hard game this week against the Colts. Then they play the Bills again in... What could be a very different game if the if you're not playing in blizzard conditions with crazy winds. They play the Jaguars, which should be an easy win. And then the at Dolphins game, I don't want to think of that as just a cakewalk because even when Tom Brady was quarterbacking this New England team, even when they were at the height of their powers, they have always struggled in Miami, especially in games late in the season where they may be looking forward to the playoffs and Miami is just playing to spoil their day. And so I would lean Chiefs along with where you were thinking, but I think it's really close and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the Chiefs trip up against the Chargers this week and then trip up against either the Bengals or the Broncos in seven, week 17 or 18. Again, similar situation to the Packers where I think they will be favored in all of those games, and they certainly, the way they've been playing, have the ability to win those games, but I think it's really close. Uh, finally, as for who I think benefits the most in the NFC from getting that number one seed, I think it has to be the Packers for two reasons. Aaron Rodgers is dinged up. Uh, he's still playing really well, but he has made a big deal over his you know messed up toe and everything else that he may be dealing with. And the other thing is, I think Lambeau Field, more so than Tampa or Arizona, provides a home field advantage in the playoffs where it could make a difference if that's where you're ending up playing an NFC Championship game. Uh, So I still think the Buccaneers are going to be the number one seed, but if the Packers can squeak it out, I think that makes a huge difference for them and their ability to potentially reach the Super Bowl. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Speaking on the Chiefs, to add credence to kind of unlikelihood of the Chiefs making it, uh, based on the playoff position right now, the Chiefs are uh, the third seed based on these tiebreakers. They lost a head-to-head against the Titans, so they need the Titans to lose uh, eventually for even the Chiefs to make that jump. And right now, the Patriots have a tiebreaker over the Chiefs based on their uh, wins in conference at the moment. The, the Patriots have a 7-1 and record in the AFC, while the Chiefs currently have a 4-4 and record in the AFC. So they also need to win a game more than the Patriots. Uh, and, there's, and since they both play AFC teams the rest of the way, there's no real way out of it. So it's definitely trickier. And, they, and like you said, they, they have, I guess, a tougher schedule um, compared to the rest of these teams. Uh, so it'll definitely be interesting to see if they can shake this out. I, I mostly pick the Chiefs as I, I do believe that they're – I mean, the, the best and hottest team in the AFC right now. Yeah, they're, they're playing the best. Mm-hmm. That's that's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I You know, I think 
we had huge questions about the Chiefs' defense. During their winning streak, they're giving up like less than 11 points a game. And we know that the offense is always capable of, you know, of hanging with anybody, scoring with anybody. And so I definitely think the Chiefs are the best team, or at least are playing the best right now. But they do have a difficult schedule. And like you said, they have hurdles to overcome in terms of tiebreakers. And so it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I think it's much more up in the air, like I said, in the AFC than the NFC. But that's why we play the game. And so we will have to see as we go into week 15 and into the last four weeks of the season how this all shakes out. Now, in terms of how our picks shaked out last week, Eric, who I'm feeling pretty good after last week. I got to say my best week ever on the podcast. I went 10-4. and four. Brendan went 6-8. and eight, And you, Eric... Uh, limped into third at five and nine but more importantly and and maybe you can uh, jump on my bandwagon here i am now tied with brendan for our picks i have gone 105 101 with two pushes brendan also 105 and 101 with two pushes and so the title of best picker on line them up is very much up for grabs still yeah i mean you've definitely made a push for the, in the past two weeks in particular and outgaining uh, Brendan by six picks, if my math is correct, and I guess even a couple weeks prior uh, to that in, in staying hot since your, uh, I guess, lowest week back in week 10. So you've definitely been yeah. hot over the past four weeks, and it's definitely uh, nice to see that we have some a little more competition at the top since uh, we haven't had a much of a changing of the guard since the since week one, really. Um, but, I yeah, I, speaking on my part real quick, I, I think uh, yeah, I definitely had a rough week. Uh, but I will say I'm only seven games out, and we still have four weeks left. So we still see if I can uh, make this comp- a three-way competition heading the rest of the way. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. Are are we having? Are we at full weeks, or is this the last week with buys? I think this may be the last week with buys, and I'm just gonna double no, this check should, that really this quick. This will be a full week, uh, or else that'll be very full unfortunate week. for our fantasy playoffs. <laughs> uh, oh, very true, very true. Full weeks going forward. So. That right there, we've got 64 games left. So Eric needs to make up seven games in 64, out of 64. Very doable. So I'm just intrigued by how this pick em, uh competition is going to shake out. But I think I'm more intrigued, Eric, and I think you'd agree with me here. It's fantasy playoff time, and that just has me very excited. Yeah, we definitely had a wild week last week. Uh, I mean, starting in uh, Brendan's league, uh, in our keeper league that we referenced in our chat, uh, Brendan had a win and get in matchup with uh, a team that I would I'm going to label Team L at the moment, uh, mostly because of their last name. Uh, but Brendan did uh, get a win, and the other team did take an L there. Uh, must need a win that slid Brendan into I believe the four seed. Um, I did take an, a loss last week as well, uh, unfortunately, but that slid me to the sixth seed. So both Brendan and I are in after. Uh, Hanging on, teetering on the edge for the past couple of weeks, seeing if we can actually get in the playoffs. Uh, John, it looks like you clinched up the division. I think you're comfortable even before this. I, I lost well. my game and, and still, I, I went 0 2 in fantasy this week, but was pretty much unaffected by that. Um, even though the Urban Meyer handling of James Robinson really torpedoed my fantasy matchup in a lot of ways there. Um, but yeah, I clinched my division. I'm a two seed, I have a bye this week. So I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, John's definitely looking pretty hot in that league. He'll definitely at least lock up a top four slot uh, in that league. And uh, we'll kind of talk about what our matchups look like for Brennan and I 
uh, later on in, uh, after we kind of recap the rest of the week. Um, for our other league that John, Brennan, and I share, uh, it was a tough week for both Brennan and I. We both basically also had win and get in, win and get in situations, and unfortunately, both Brennan and I took the L. We were both uh, we were the five and six seed at the time. We both fell out to land in the seven and eight seed, so we both uh, fell out of the top six mark. Uh, but that's all right. I mean, the teams that did get in or at least got the wins uh, were some of the highest scoring teams in the league at the time. So there is a consolation bracket in this, and uh, we won't talk about that as much uh, unless something spicy comes up next week. Uh, but Brent and I will be fighting a consolation bracket this, where we do end up getting a prize pool at the end of the line. But, John, my understanding is that you also took an out, like you said, uh, from that week that took you out of positioning of that first round bye. At, out of the position for like getting the two seed and drop you down to the four seed. Am I correct? Yeah, four seed in that in that league. Yeah, yes. but now, so now John has a spicy matchup in the first round uh, against a team that I affectionately call, and maybe some others in the league also affectionately call the auto draft league because they did show up uh, auto drafting, but they do have a solid lineup, and that's something we'll talk about. And the other team, the other side of that bracket is individuals that have two of the top three highest scoring teams in the league. So it's kind of fortunate for them that they landed in the first round as opponents, but it would definitely be a spicy matchup that we'll talk about later on as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm in the playoffs in both leagues, and you and Brendan are in the playoffs as well in Brendan's league. Uh, so it will be a definitely fun fantasy playoff season. Now, in terms of a couple players that may help you out in your fantasy football playoffs if you need a little bit of extra oomph, two players we're going to highlight here, and I'm going to start with Rashad Penny of the Seahawks, who was an absolutely, you know, put up an absolutely monstrous performance against the Texans in one that kind of came out of nowhere, at least for me, Eric, 137 rushing yards, two touchdowns. He seems to at least have the opportunity to take over that lead back role in Seattle going forward after he was considered by most to be a pretty big bust. Uh, Seahawks use a surprising first round pick on him a couple drafts ago and hadn't really done anything, had weight issues. And so Rashad Penny came out of nowhere. I can't imagine he was highly rostered before that last week. That probably will change by now. And so look out uh, if you're facing Rashad Penny or if you had the opportunity to pick Rashad Penny up, he could really be a difference maker in these playoffs, I think. Yeah, I definitely like it. it he looked good in the highlights that I saw last week. He broke off some great-looking runs. He looked healthy and uh, scoring those touchdowns. Um so real quick for the player, I'm gonna sneak in. I'm gonna sneak in two players, I guess. Uh, in the league that I don't share with John and Brendan, I was holding on to the 60 in that league as well. I was in a favorable matchup because I was playing the weakest team in the entire league, but they actually gave me a run for my money, and I was actually down uh, about uh, 12 points in that league heading into Monday Night Football. And my only player going was Matt Gay, the kicker of the Los Angeles Rams. And somehow, Matt Gay pulled out 14 points for me to get the win I needed and push me into the playoffs as the sixth seed in this league. So that's another shout-out for my kicker all year in the Los Angeles Rams, Matt Gay. Uh, but the player I'm actually highlighting is Robbie Anderson, uh, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, who in many leagues, I believe, was actually drafted as the second wide receiver for... Uh, 
the Carolina Panthers, the, the Sam Darnold led. I drafted Carolina him. I drafted Panthers. him in in your league in the redraft. Yeah, there you I go. And he's probably dropped in a lot of leagues, so he's probably available at this point. So uh, that's why I'm calling him because he hasn't been good all season. Uh, but last week he had his best game all season in seven receptions on 12 targets, 184 yards, and one touchdown. And what I like to do, particularly in this time of year, is look at those targets to see kind of where that wind is blowing and uh, who's getting those looks. And Robbie Anderson with Christian McCaffrey out, uh, and there was a lot of data last year where Christian McCaffrey out, where Robbie Anderson got a lot of touches, uh, albeit with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. Uh, but now with either a mix of Cam Newton or P.J. Walker, I believe he'll get those receptions starting, or those looks at the release, those targets, at the rest of uh, the last four weeks of the year here um, and I think it's definitely someone intriguing to look at because he has a talent because obviously like we were mentioning he was good enough to be drafted uh, and they're going to need to throw the ball more because the Carolina Panthers have absolutely been falling apart at the moment so I'm anticipating more production of Robbie Anderson moving forward yeah I bought into the Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold reunited and it feels so good vibes and did not pay out but like you said Robbie Anderson could be a sneaky pickup for somebody who needs a wide receiver going into the playoffs now going into start sit Eric we had an interesting week last week where you threw out some mega start sits we're talking four options for each of them first one was a sort of a flex option going between Chuba Hubbard Saquon Barkley DJ Moore and Marquise Brown, we both went with Saquon, and we both hit the nail on the head, Eric. Saquon Barkley had 17 points, uh, including a touchdown against the LA Chargers. DJ Moore was the next highest scoring player with uh, 11.4 points, while Chuba Hubbard and Marquise Brown were both putting up relatively disappointing weeks in the single digits. Now, what was fascinating to me, though, was the four-way defensive option that you gave us in the start sit last week that played out in a super weird way uh you went with the titans i went with the seahawks saints and uh cowboys were also on the table there and while neither of us picked the right option so to say cowboys ended up having the most points with a whopping 24 which contributed to a loss of mine that i had in one of my fantasy leagues so thanks dallas uh, but I was super wrong. Seahawks, even though they only held the the Texans to 13 points, only put up four fantasy points. And the Titans, Eric, in that shutout with four turnovers, they put up a big 19. So if you had the Titans or the Cowboys out of that one, you're sitting pretty good. Yeah, so th- this was a fascinating start to the decision last week because it was for the win-and-get-in situation that Brendan was playing last week. Uh Brennan did end up starting Saquon Barkley, which, which, as John mentioned, was our recommended choice. On the other end, Team L here, uh, that was facing Brendan, decided to start the Seahawks, which was John's choice. And like he mentioned, didn't score as many points as the Titans or the Cowboys. If he were to have started the Cowboys, he would have actually beaten Brendan here. And Brendan would be tilting out his mind, maybe to the point where he comes on this podcast and yells at everybody. But uh, oh, oh, well, definitely. <laughs> whenever Shadow Producer Brendan decides to make his triumphant return to this podcast and to your ear space, we have a lot to talk of to him about fantasy decisions. <laughs> a lot. I guess even more than that, if if they were to start the Titans, he would have had a chance because he also had an individual on the bench where he could have started, uh, which would also shift to the points here. So uh, this is mostly 
saying to our listeners that these decisions do matter. I mean, these these defenses out here uh, can score you the points. And it was interesting discussing with John last week about which one we thought would uh, would score the most points. So I think it is definitely something that you guys should think about discussing or joining in discussion with us here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, def- I, I think de- defenses and kickers, even though they are the least exciting part of fantasy football, they can absolutely swing a matchup in the weirdest of ways. Uh, and that's what makes fantasy great. I don't really understand the leagues that are like, no, I want to play without a kicker or no, I want to play without a defense because I just think that that's not as fun. There's not a, there's not as much crazy potential out there. And I know it sucks when you lose because you're going up against a team that their defense was projected to put up like seven or eight points and they put up 20, but you know, you're also going to win some games like that if you're really paying attention. No, and I completely agree. And there's just as much volatility, in my opinion, when these kickers and also these defenses as some of the players that we end up drafting in the running backs, wide receivers, and quarterbacks. And uh, it's there's also some predictability out of a lot of these kickers, kind of in line with this discussion of defenses we had last week. I mean, there's individuals like Justin Tucker, who's always in the top end of kickers. Uh, so there's definitely some predictability there. So, again, I would agree with you. There's, I think there's definitely merit in keeping these uh, roster spots open for defenses and kickers in your leagues. Well, and also creates, to me at least, especially with the defenses, it creates like a little mini game each week because I think it's very seldom that you have one defense that you play all year uh, except for when they're on bye. And so I, I always find the sort of little mini game of like trying to figure out which defense I could run this week that may give me the best upside. And I think that's what keeps fantasy football exciting. Now, where there is plenty of excitement, Eric, and we're going to forego uh, our normal start-sit decision this week for a little bit of a, a playoff pick em here. And, and, I, and I like what you did here in, in sort of shifting the focus to the playoffs because it is playoff season and I'm super excited, especially being in both of the playoffs in both of my leagues and uh, looking to make some noise. Yeah, as much as I would love to help our listeners make these start decisions again, because it's definitely been fun all year, we might transition to these this playoff edition because uh, I guess from my perspective, I'd be pretty confident in what you listeners have as a team, and I'm hoping that you guys can make the right decisions on your end at this point <laughs> for the playoffs. Uh, so this is kind of why we're talking about a little more open-ended question about these individual rosters that we have and kind of see what our takes are as uh as, as we discuss through this podcast we talk about nfl every week and how they're going to play out so first off in brendan's league in our keeper league uh to kind of protect the identity of these individuals who may not want to be referenced and we'd be happy to reference them if they were to uh i guess say that we're allowed to but uh i'm playing against team b this week who is the third of our seed uh and the roster that Team B has is admittedly a little injured right now, but it's led with uh, Josh Allen and Nick Chubb, and then he made a trade for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He has solid wide receivers in DK Metcalf, Jamar Chase, solid tight end in Dalton Schultz. His flex is currently Chase Claypool. He is the top-end defense in the Patriots defense, and he has Chris Boswell as his kicker. On my end, I'm currently starting Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Jones and Tony Gibson are my running back positions. Uh, my wide receivers are Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, and Devontae Adams. 
my tight end, who's likely to be out, is TJ Hawkinson. I'm likely to start Tyler Higby this week. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. My defense this week is the Dolphins' defense playing against the New York Jets. And Matt Gay, who I shouted out earlier, as my kicker. So, John, with that said, and there's no home field advantage or anything, who do you think is going to win this first matchup that we're talking about here? So I think it'll be close. Uh, I, there's only a projected about a two-and-a-half point difference here for the players. Uh, I think it'll really come down to two things. I think it'll come down to how healthy is Josh Allen? And then on the flip side of that, how many points does Patrick Mahomes put up against what can be a pretty volatile Chargers defense? And then the final thing being, I think you're in trouble, Eric, if for some reason the Patriots end up putting together kind of the performance they did against the Falcons or or something in that area, which we know the Patriots are liable to do every now and again where they just pop off and, you know, really swing a fantasy matchup. Against the Colts, I think that'll be hard because I think Jonathan Taylor is that good of a player. But I think it really will come down to those two spots is and seeing, you know, can Patrick Mahomes put up a much bigger performance than Josh Allen and get you the edge there? And then will you be sort of facing that hole of, having to go up against that, you know, top-level defense in the Patriots. Yeah, I think that's definitely a valuable assessment. And I guess to our listeners, I've played this individual twice this year already. I've lost both. Uh, I did – actually, I just played him last week, actually, and that's the game I lost uh, by four points. So it was close enough. So playing him again uh, just after last week's loss, it will definitely be interesting as we kind of even out the volatility here. Uh, my definite fear is his favorable matchups this week and Josh Allen playing the Carolina Panthers, who Carolina Panthers do have a solid defense, but Josh Allen does seem to have the capability to outpace this defense. Nick Chubb versus the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who does have a successful running game, and I'm kind of anticipating a Nick Chubb exploding game without Kareem Hunt, without Baker Mayfield. They might need to lean on Nick Chubb a lot more. Um, and finally, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, with the Chargers-Chiefs game on Thursday, I think we'll kind of have some clarity about which way this matchup might unfold uh, on Thursday Night Football with me having Patrick Mahomes and Keenan Allen and him having Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm, I'm fearful that Clyde Edwards-Alaire will kind of run over this defense as they uh, push the ball more into Clyde Edwards-Alaire's hands as they get closer to the playoffs. And still my belief that the Chargers defense isn't that great. Uh, that being said, I have more confidence in my individual's uh, players' staying power, and I guess I'm hopeful that at least I get past this round based on the merits of individuals like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Jones, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, and to kind of take me over. Um, so I would give me the edge, so we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Well, and looking back to last week, because I think this is a very unique situation where you have a you know a rematch of the last week of the regular season and the first round of the playoffs. So you lose by three and a half points, Eric, and Antonio Gibson only gives you 3.8.1 points. I don't think you expect that to, to happen again. So if you can get sort of just baseline production from Antonio Gibson and the rest sort of plays out to form, you're probably sitting pretty. Now, they did not have the Patriots defense available to them last week, and so that could play a difference, but I would favor you. It's not a huge favorite, but I would favor you, certainly. We'll, we'll definitely see, because I also I also believe that the Packers have a much diff, more difficult matchup in the Baltimore Ravens this week. 
than they did last week against Chicago Bears. So man, I might not get as many points out of my uh, Green Bay Packers uh, players this week. Uh, well, anyway, moving on to Brendan's matchup in this league, uh, in the 4-5 matchup. I'll start with his opponent, whose name is Taylor Train, which uh, references Jonathan Taylor, who John referenced earlier, uh, as uh, the star player on this on this team, playing against the New England Patriots this week, uh, with Damian Harris as his other running back. So he's got two individuals, two running backs in this game. Uh, he's headed with Lamar Jackson, at quarterback, who we'll have to see how his injury status shakes out uh, by the end of this week. Uh, wide receivers in Darnell Mooney and Justin Jefferson. There's Noah Fant is his tight end. Amari Cooper is, is currently his flex. He also has, a, I guess, a top-end defense, defensive matchup this week in the Buccaneers playing against the New Orleans Saints and Nick Folk as his kicker. On the other end, Brendan, who... Uh, my opinion has has had a strong roster every year, and I think he's told me he's pretty surprised he's sitting at this spot. Uh, so he has Kyler Murray, who seems to be back and healthy, playing against Detroit Lions this week. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Najee Harris as his running backs. Stephon Diggs and Debo Samuel as his wide receivers. George Kittle as his tight end, who has been explosive these past two weeks. Javante Williams as his flex. Brown's defense playing against the Las Vegas Raiders as his defense, and Justin Tucker as his kicker. With those rosters being listed out, John, who do you think has the more favorable uh, edge here? So I think this is the case of you have two superstar players on one team and Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson, and then you have a pretty up-and-down good roster in Brendan's team. Now, I think it's – but I think what's pretty clear about this one is Brendan's going to win the quarterback battle here because either you're getting a banged-up Lamar Jackson – or elsewhere on the roster, there's a Justin Fields hanging out there as the backup for this Taylor Train team. And so I think as long as Kyler Murray puts up a sizable difference between whatever you get from Lamar Jackson and or Justin Fields, if that's a, if Lamar Jackson is ruled out of that Packers game, I think that could ultimately be what carries uh, Brendan to a victory in this one. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think Brendan has the more solid roster. Uh at every individual spot. I mean, Delvin Cook showed that he's, uh, I mean, still explosive despite his injured shoulders. Uh, and he has a relatively favorable matchup in the Chicago Bears this week. Najee Harris has been a top-end running back all year as well. Um, and Stephon Diggs and Debo Samuels are explosive uh, wide receivers, along with George Kittle, a tight end. So I think with all of those high-ceiling individuals, uh, I think Brennan definitely has the edge here. He, I think it begs the question of like why Brendan didn't have a better showing in the regular season this year because he's only sitting at 500 at the moment. He is currently fourth most in points scored, but I will say that he was sitting at six and seven all throughout the year outside of his explosive week. I think last week and maybe the week prior, unless I'm misremembering. Um, so there does seem to be some volatility in his teams, but I guess it might be some injury related. Uh, that might not have uh, showcased the full potential of this team, but now it seems like his team is fully healthy, and that's why I would give him the edge. I, I would be definitely fearful of what Justin Jefferson and without Adam Thielen can do and, and Jonathan Taylor coming off a bye, but he does have one of his toughest matchups all week, uh, and with an injured quarterback probably at the helm, uh, it sounds like Brendan's the shoe-in favorite, in my opinion, here. Absolutely. Uh, so let's move on then to what we refer to as your league, Eric. 
And we will start with my matchup, and I'll give the preview on this one because I don't want us to be showing any bias here. Uh, my team is currently sitting as Josh Allen, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, uh, three wide receiver leagues. So I have CeeDee Lamb, Van Jefferson, and Darnell Mooney, Tyler Higby at tight end, A.J. Dillon in the flex, uh, Cardinals defense, and Matt Gay, whereas my opponent has Justin Herbert, Saquon Barkley, James Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins for now because we know that he was just announced as out for the next couple of weeks, if not the full season. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Conklin, Javante Williams, Bills defense, and Jason Myers, the Seahawks kicker. So, Eric, with all of that said, do you believe in Josh Allen's ability to co- to carry me to victory? Do you believe in Austin Eckler, my, I think, the only player that I have on both of my fantasy teams to once again prove his MVP or quasi-fantasy MVP status? Or maybe you think I get a challenge here? So, this is definitely a fascinating matchup because... John did have a roster that was good enough to compete with the number two seed this year in our league. Uh, The tricky thing here is that uh, the team that I'll label as Team J here uh, as the fifth seed, they are getting into the playoffs at the most unfortunate time for their roster. James Robinson is in the utter turmoil that is the Urban Meyer-led Jacksonville Jaguars. DeAndre Hopkins has been ruled out. He lost Darren Waller, although there's a possibility Darren Waller might come back this week. I'm not entirely sure what his health may be, but he lost DeAndre Swift as well. So he has individuals on his team that has led him to where he's at today, but he might not be able to get them in this first-round matchup against John. I'm anticipating him to start Jalen Waddell in place of DeAndre Hopkins, and Jalen Waddell has a solid matchup in the New York Jets. And being a target machine, I'm curious to see he'll start. Mike Williams is also on his bench, uh, who could have an explosive matchup. But that all being said, I would lean toward John here as the four seed. He has won both matchups against his team, although obviously in fantasy that doesn't have as much merit here. Uh, but John is a pretty solid roster in being led by Austin Eckler and Najee Harris, who we just talked about was also on Brendan's roster in the other league. Uh, and I, I like what I see out of CeeDee Lamb, Van Jefferson getting the targets, and Darnell Moody getting the targets. I have questions about his, his tight end and, and uh, Flex, who I admit is also on the roster of my other team, uh, but that's why I have questions about them. Um, so I think John is lined up pretty favorably this, this week against this team, and I think John's pretty likely to move into that second round in this league. And I hopefully to join my other team in the second round as the other team sits happily on by. And then in probably what is the best playoff matchup of either of the two leagues, you have what we'll call Team Z versus Team P here. Uh, and so, Eric, I know that you love Team P. I know that you love this Philly Philly team. Uh, and you think it has the potential to go all the way, rocking with Mahomes, Zeke, Cordero Patterson, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel, Hunter Renfro, George Kittle, Aaron Jones, the Browns defense, and Matt Prater. But you do have a couple of other players on Team Z that are just you know, they're potential superstars on any given week in Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, uh, DJ, or excuse me, DK Metcalf seems to be coming out of his shell a little bit as Russell Wilson finds his group. Amari Cooper, great player. Uh, Mark Andrews, fabulous player at tight end. Then rounding out the roster with Russell Gage, Ramondre Stevenson, the Cowboys defense, who had a huge showing, as we mentioned last week. And then Harrison, the butt kicker, butker for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. I don't know if I mentioned that either. And obviously we saw what he did last week to the Bears. Uh, see if that can repeat that performance against the Ravens. So this is the showdown for to take all showdowns in the first round when it comes to our leagues, Eric. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, like we kind of mentioned already, the Team P, Team Philly Philly is, is their name, and we're willing to give that out. Uh, some of these individuals have the last name on their, on their team name, so that's why we need to abbreviate it. But um, Team P has the high-scoring roster on uh on this league and team z has the third high scoring roster like we mentioned already so and, and they're pretty savvy managers if, uh, if i may add um they have slotted in individuals that are solid pickups in the third wide receiver spots in either hunter renfro who's been hot for the las vegas raiders over the past couple of weeks russell gage who's been getting targets for the atlanta falcons I, but so it's unfortunate that one of them has to go out. I would lean toward Team P here because of what he has at running back. I like who he has out of his flex is, is like either one of Aaron Jones, Cordell Patterson, or Ezekiel Elliott. He is solid running backs here, and I like what he has in the high upside individuals in Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, who is always able to score points. It's it's difficult to pick also because on the other side there's merit in Joe Mixon, but he has a tough matchup against the Denver Broncos. I'm curious to see how Devin put Coles up this week. Um, I, I said Aaron Rodgers has a tough matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, so I'm curious to see how that shakes out. And uh, I think the biggest talent that he's going to have is out of Mark Andrews, who's been the number one uh, sorry tight end for the past couple of weeks and has uh, pushed him as the overall top tight end in fantasy uh, for the year so far. Uh, but I think there's a lot of consistency out of Team P's roster that I would give him the edge here. Yeah, I think that's the the right way to go. I think uh, there are really two teams in this league that I would single out as having huge uh, fantasy aspirations, and that Team Philly Philly, he or fantasy championship aspirations, I should say, and that Team Philly Philly is one of them. And so I think he'll win this matchup. Not to say that Team Z is not a worthy opponent. He absolutely is, uh, but I think, Philly Philly moves on, setting up some pretty interesting matchups in the second round. All right, so now after spending a good amount of time on fantasy football, let us run through our Week 15 schedule. Uh, it is a pretty good schedule, pretty good, uh, interesting one. We've got some Saturday games mixed in there, Eric. So I know that's always fun when we get some NFL Saturday games now that uh, college football has reached the uh, pre-bowl season hiatus. And so starting with those Saturday's games, as we'll get to the Thursday night game and one of our highlighted matchups, we have Raiders at Browns. Uh, Raiders now the one-and-a-half-point favorite as Baker Mayfield really in question as whether or not he's going to play in this one would be Case Keenum if he cannot go as both he and head coach Kevin Stefanski are in COVID protocols. And Brendan and I are sticking with the Raiders. I had the Raiders even when the Browns were favored, or especially when the Browns were favored. I will stick with the Raiders here, Eric. But you are continuing to back your Cleveland Browns. What's the uh, what's the thinking here? Yeah, it's a little unfortunate. The Cleveland Browns are in utter turmoil, and I guess the the state of Ohio in general with these COVID issues. Uh, but I have faith in Case Keenum. Honestly, this is more saying about what level uh, Baker Mayfield is at. But it's more of a lateral move uh, than a step backwards. I have pretty I have good faith in Case Keenum to manage this offense. I still have faith in Nick Chubb. I think the Raiders have been on the decline for the past couple of weeks. Uh, particularly off the showing against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Browns could still make that push and noise in the AFC North. 
and them playing at home, I would give them the edge, particularly now that I'm giving the points here. Yeah, so this for me, it's I think it's just the Ra- Raiders are going to be able to score. I know they did not play well at all offensively last week. I expect them to bounce back uh, and put up some more points. And if Darren Waller plays, and that's still an if, but it is more of a 50-50 than a he's absolutely not playing, which is the situation it's been the last couple of weeks. I think that could be a big boost to the Raiders. And so I'm willing to give the, the slim margin here, still roll with the Raiders. Then in the other Saturday game, Eric, we have Patriots at Colts in what is one of the really good matchups this week. Colts trying to ride Jonathan Taylor and his amazing season into the playoffs. Patriots, like we said, fighting for that number one seed. And the Colts are actually the favorites here, which I don't really quite understand. It is in Indianapolis. And Brendan, being the Colts lover that we he has been all season, I think between the Colts and the Eagles – Brendan is is usually, you know, had some teams that he sort of latched on to here. He's taken the Colts, given the points in a shadow producer special here. You and I both on the Patriots here. Eric, and so I guess I have to ask you, what chance do you think it is that the Colts actually pull what in my mind would be an upset? Uh, I, I mean, for me, I don't mind Brendan's pick for the Colts. I, I admittedly did consider taking the Colts here. So I would think it's much closer to a 51-49 matchup. I still do believe that the Patriots, I mean, they basically are the, the hottest team in the league right now. I, their defense has been phenomenal. I think Bill Belichick will effectively game plan against uh, what Jonathan Taylor brings to the table and kind of confusing Carson Wentz. Uh, but I think the Colts have the ability on offense and have the ability on defense to uh, confuse, I think, the New England Patriots on both sides of the ball. Uh, particularly after we saw that, I mean, they didn't need Mac Jones or the Patriots didn't need Mac Jones to throw the ball against the Bills uh, two weeks ago. So I I think there's a reality where the Colts being at home could win this game. But uh, again, I'm siding with you and I'll take the Patriots here. Yeah, I, I think the the one thing that, that stands out for me is that the Patriots are number one in the league when it comes to rushing touchdowns. And we know that Bill Belichick, like you said, is a mastermind at eliminating the opposing team's best player. I think outside of Jonathan Taylor having a big game, the Colts don't have much of a chance to win this one. And so I will take the points with the Patriots easily. Now, running through some games on Sunday where we were all on the same page, Panthers at Bills. Bills are 10.5-point favorites. We are all on the Bills Cardinals at Lions, Cardinals 13-point favorites, but we are not deterred at all. Even uh, We will take the road favorites uh, all on the Cardinals. Jets at Dolphins, another big line here, as the Dolphins are 10-point favorites, and once again, we are undeterred all on the Dolphins in Miami, laying the points. Uh, one where we are all on the underdog, Washington football team at Eagles, the Eagles seven point favorites. We are all happy to take that touchdown plus the extra point and ride with the Washington football team. Texans at Jaguars. Texans are the three and a half point underdogs, and we are taking those points and running in a matchup between two of the worst teams in the league. Bengals at Broncos. Broncos coming off an impressive win. Bengals off back to back losses. Uh, Broncos are two and a half point favorites in Denver, but we are all on the Bengals to sort of right their ship here against the Broncos and taking the points doesn't hurt Seahawks at Rams. Can't say that I really understand this line, Eric Rams are only four and a half point favorites despite it being in LA. And despite, I know the Seahawks are surging a little bit, but I don't really see this. And you both seem to agree with me as we are all on the Rams. And then the Monday night game Vikings at 
Bears, Vikings, three and a half point favorites on the road. We are all super fine with that. Uh, and we will take the Vikings. Now, in some of the matchups where we had disagreement, we had Cowboys 10 and a half points at the Giants. I'm on the Cowboys. Shadow producer Brendan is on the Cowboys. Eric, tell me about the Giants and why you see the potentially fighting Mike Glennons as uh, maybe keeping this one a little bit closer than expected. I mean, I think I still have a lot of questions about what I see out of uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they haven't necessarily shown their explosive offense over the past couple of weeks. They had a close game against their divisional, divisional rival in the Washington football team. They only had a 10-point win against the New Orleans Saints. And honestly, I would put the – maybe you disagree with me, but I would put the Giants in a close line with – uh, the New Orleans Saints category, and if you're giving me 10 and a half points, I think the Giants, with how their defense is playing, could keep this game close against their division rival here, uh, playing at home against the, this Cowboys team. Yeah, see, I get all of that, and you're right. The offense is not in the place where it needs to be, but surprisingly enough, the Cowboys defense is playing particularly, or, you know, pretty well and has been really good at forcing turnovers, and I think the prospect of you know putting... Dak Prescott in a position where he knows he needs to play better and also putting Mike Glennon or maybe Daniel Jones, if he's finally healthy in a position where he has to go up against Micah Parsons, Trevon Diggs, and these game wreckers on the Cowboys defense. I know 10 and a half points is a lot and I don't fault you for taking those points, but I just think that the Cowboys before this season ends are going to end up showing us a game where they say, okay, don't just write off, write us off when it comes to the playoffs. We still have the ability to make some noise, and I think this Giants game is one where they could do just that. Now, I call them whenever uh, Shadow Producer Brendan is the odd man out on these picks, I call them Shadow Producer Specials. Maybe I have to come up with a name for you, Eric, because we have another one here in this Titans-Steelers game where you are the odd man out. Titans are the one-and-a-half-point favorites in Pittsburgh. We don't know what TJ Watt's status is for this game after he exited early in that loss to Minnesota, although with the long uh, reek in between, maybe that's good news for him. And I, I just picked the Titans here because I don't know what to expect with the Steelers anymore. And the we know that the Titans want to run the football, and we've seen how terrible the Steelers have been at defending the run in some of their past matchups. But Eric, what has you here riding with my beloved Steelers, having faith when I have none. Well, first, I know you mentioned that the Titans would like to run the ball, but I think the Titans have struggled to run the type of offense that they would want to run. They cannot get into that play-action phase as much anymore, obviously, without Derrick Henry in the backfield. And the forces they have in, the, in their backfield are not good enough to kind of freeze that defense the way they would want and I think the Steelers could be coached up to prevent this uh, Titans team from from doing what they want to do the Titans team hasn't been good the past three weeks in particular they lost against the Titans sorry the Texans three weeks ago they lost a blowout loss against the Patriots and of course they beat a Jaguars team but we all know how bad the Jaguars are so the Titans have not proved to me that they're good enough to be even that much better than the Steelers. So for me personally, I think this line is pretty accurate. It's, it's functionally a 50-50 matchup, and I think it's uh, pretty fair for me to take the Steelers here because I think the Steelers have also played well uh, from my perspective, at least maybe from where the bar I was putting for them 
four or five weeks prior. But their offense has gotten a little better from my perspective. I think Ben Rosberg has been played up to par. Admittedly, a little later in the game than what I think you and I would want. Um, but I think they're good enough to capitalize on what I still question uh, is is a very open-ended uh, defense in the in the Titans here. So I think the Steelers could still surprise and still make some noise in this AFC North division, which seems to be open if the Ravens keep falling backwards. Yeah, so this is my thing, and I've said this about the Steelers all year, basically. TJ Watt is the single biggest difference maker for any team in football. I know I'm, you know, I'm beating a drum that I've beat to death here, but I still believe it. And so if TJ Watt can come out and have the type of game he did against the Ravens when they got the win in week 13, then yeah, the Steelers can win this game. Short of that, I, I don't know. I, I just have to see it before I can believe in it. And I just haven't been seeing it enough lately with, you know, high scoring, uh, lackluster defensive games and three of their last four. And so I'm going to roll with the Titans here. I would love for Eric's perspective on this game to come true, though. Then moving away from the AFC into the NFC, we have Falcons at 49ers. Another pretty big line here. And another Eric Lee, maybe take the points and run special. Who knows? But he is going with the Falcons, who are the underdogs, nine-point underdogs. And is it just that, Eric? Are you just liking that nine-point line when it comes to the points? Yeah, for me, uh, I mean, I've gotten burned by the Falcons, and the Falcons have proven that they're a better offensive team than I gave them credit for it from the beginning of the season. I think Matt Ryan has kind of turned it around and put up more points than I anticipated him to put up. I, the very least he is covering uh, for those betters over the past couple of weeks from my perspective. And on the, on the other end, I, I mentioned before, I don't have as much faith in this 49ers team. While they've definitely pulled out that win against the Bengals last week, I, I did take a Bengals and took that all there. Uh, but they only won by three points against the Bengals. They lost against the Seahawks, and they only won by eight points against the Vikings. So I think this is another game where the Falcons show up and uh, make the 49ers earn this one again. While I do think the 49ers do win this, I, I think they'll be a much closer game than we're anticipating. And... I admit that part of my pick on the 49ers was a little bit more heart than head. Uh, I do, I have said over and over again, one of my other mantras for this season is I love the way the 49ers play football, and I'm happy to see them starting to actually translate that into wins. But what I was thinking here was that I went back and looked at that Patriots game that the Falcons played a couple weeks ago, and they don't go about it in the same way, but philosophically, I think there are a lot of similarities between the Patriots and the uh, 49ers. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the, you know, that, that pass rush of the 49ers causes Matt Ryan issue, forces some turnovers, that running game of the 49ers sort of confuses and befuddles the Atlanta defense and causes them issues and, and, you know, sort of stakes them a bigger lead than maybe we've seen from some of the other 49ers games you mentioned recently. I admit all of that could go wrong because the 49ers do tend to be somewhat of a volatile team, less so of late, but the volatility is still there. But again, like I said, I'm going a little bit heart over head here and rolling with the 49ers despite the big line. And then to close out the rapid fire segment with another big line, Buccaneers at Saints. This is a Shadow Producer Brendan special to wrap up the rapid fire segment. Shadow Producer Brendan is on the Saints. 
I say, how dare you pick against the Buccaneers at home? You know the Buccaneers don't lose at home, especially not to know Taysom Hill. What do you say, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you referenced that because that's, that's the biggest thing. They're, they're playing at home. And John mentioned it last week as well. They The Buccaneers are absolutely hot at home. And uh, there is merit to taking the Saints because the Saints did beat the Buccaneers a couple of weeks ago uh, by no, nine points, no less. So it was a pretty good showing. Uh, but that was in New Orleans. And like John was, was mentioning, I, I mean, I, I think or, – or at least let me reference back earlier when we are talking about Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers still claim the one seed. And I think this is a game they need to win. And I, I think the Buccaneers are going to do what they need to do and, and win this game at home by a good amount. Yeah. No, I, I don't – I think the Saints are trending in the wrong direction. They're super beat up. Yes, Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara were able to handle the, the uh, Jets last week, but how hard is handling the Jets, really? I think this is a much too big of a task. To me, the Saints are a similar team to what we've seen uh, the Falcons do against – or they are now a similar team to the Falcons and the Falcons in their matchups against the Buccaneers have come up with you know double-digit loss that would cover these lines both times. And so being in Tampa Bay, I fully expect this – to be the same. Now, Eric, our two highlighted matchups of the week and the the matchup I've been really wanting to talk about uh, and we're only, you know, an hour plus into the show and now I finally get to talk about it. That is the Chiefs at the Chargers on Thursday night. Two of maybe the hottest teams in the NFL going about it here. And it is in Los Angeles. So they don't get that, that uh, home field advantage that they would have in Arrowhead Stadium. But the Chiefs still the favorites here. Minus three points. Where do you see this one going, Eric? Because I, I, I know we talked about it last week, how the Chargers can be a really tricky matchup for the Chiefs, and they did beat them earlier in the season, Kansas City. Do you think the Chargers pull off the uh, the double victory here and sweep this, the series against the Chiefs this year, or do you think Mahomes gets his revenge? I'm a little surprised by the rest of your guys' picks, but I mean, I would lean toward the Chiefs here. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, Chiefs are... One of the hottest teams in the league, uh, probably the second hottest team in the league after the New England Patriots, and I think they really turn around what they have on the offensive side of the ball and uh, not relying on a lot of big plays and kind of taking what the defense has been giving them, and what they do on the defensive side of the ball and kind of I mean stay in front of the man and, and making big plays. I think uh, I've said all the past month I guess that the Chargers have a pretty weak defense and i think this is something that can be capitalized upon on a short week in particular so i'll take the chiefs here even though they're playing an away game yeah i said it in the opening segment where we talked about the number one seed the chiefs are playing the best football of any team in the afc uh right now and their defense which was awful to start the year has suddenly become a strength and i think what is most important here is that the chiefs have had forced two plus turnovers in five straight games and like you mentioned, the Chargers defense, while they have some good players on it, overall it is not a super strong unit. And so I think this comes to a place where either, you know, the Chargers can keep up with this Kansas City offense, but I think the Kansas City defense makes enough plays to ultimately pull out this game and keep the Chiefs on the track for the number one seed. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. I think it'll be a great matchup on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and definitely excited for it to kick off our fantasy matchups this week. 100%, as I think we all have skin in this game one way or another. 
uh, for one of these teams. I know I have big, big skin in the game in terms of, well, in terms of Austin Eckler, normally it would be Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, but my Justin Herbert team is on bye. Now, I guess if, if you were hoping for a fantasy explosion for a lot of these players here, we're probably hoping for the over, Eric, but over-under set at 52 is pretty high. Do you think we hit that? I would lean toward the over here, or sorry, the under here. The last game they played, they hit 54 points, uh, a 30-24 to 24 matchup. I think it will be a game similar to that where it kind of nears this 52-point line on a short week and kind of the style of offense that I've seen the Chiefs run lately. I'm anticipating slower games than what we anticipate out of the Chiefs from, like, yesteryears. Uh, so I, I will lean toward the under here in this matchup. I'm going to go over. Uh, and so Brendan is with you on the under, so I guess I am in the minority here on this one. But I think this is either a high, sc- a relatively high-scoring affair or I think this has the possibility. It, it's not what I would expect to happen necessarily. It's not necessarily what I would see as the most likely outcome. But I think it has the possibility of the Chiefs once again surprising us by pulling off a huge win by limiting the chargers and, you know, sort of running away with the scoreline. Now, I don't think you, the chargers are good enough offensively. I don't think you limit them completely. Uh, And so that's why I think it's an over either way. But like I said, they have two, both teams have good offenses. And so either way, I think this ends up being an over either from a chief's offensive explosion or just an overall shootout where it finishes kind of like you're say, you know, maybe low 30s to high 20s, and we get that over. Now, in terms of our prop bets, we're gonna start off with probably the most the two most interesting players for each team, and that is the quarterbacks. We have Patrick Mahomes, the established, you know, superstar quarterback versus Josh uh Josh, Justin Herbert, the up-and-coming superstar quarterback for the Chargers. Shadow producer Brendan has posed us the question of more passing yards between the two. And I admittedly went really back and forth on this one because, like you said, the Chiefs have become more of a running team than I think we ever expected them to be. But I still think it ends up being Mahomes because I think he knows that he's going to need to make plays in this one to pull this out. And also, you have the possibility of the Chiefs defense stepping up and limiting Herbert, where I don't think you have that same possibility for the Chargers defense. So we're all on Patrick Mahomes here. I'm a little surprised by that uh, because... Like I said, I went back and forth. I really did. Yeah, I mean, because Justin Herbert has basically outpaced Patrick Mahomes over the past, like, six weeks in passing yardage. So it's almost a given that he's going to throw the ball and throw the ball a lot and the only reason why I'm leaning toward Mahomes is because of my standpoint that the Chargers defense is not good and I think uh, there gives me a lot of big plays against them um, that Mahomes is going to take advantage of and that, that's why I'm leaning toward Mahomes but I'm a little surprised that we're all on Patrick Mahomes here yeah obviously Eric though Justin Herbert's gonna save his offensive explosion for next week when I need it and not this week when I'm playing against it, I think in one of my fantasy matchups. So obviously me and Justin Herbert have a very special connection and he's not going to hurt me this week. And then he's going to make up for it next week by having a huge game. Well, you heard it here. Obviously. For, you heard it here first folks. This is a, you guys better keep aware of that when you're making your roster decisions. And then um, going for another prop, Travis Kelsey, the star tight end for the Chiefs. Shout out producer Brendan has set the line for the over under at 65 and a half receiving yards. 
to me, this seems like a pretty easy over just because I think when the Chiefs tend to have bigger offensive performances, Kelsey seems to usually be at the heart of it. Even if they are running the ball, they're still going to throw to Kelsey. And so that's why I think it's a pretty easy over here. The tricky part of this one is that since the bye, uh, Travis Kelsey has had identical lines of three receptions of 27 yards for the past two weeks. Uh, So he hasn't been as much or hasn't been as involved in the offense as we would anticipate. Uh, But like you said, I think we're all in the over here because uh, because of Travis Kelsey's ability on this offense. And also uh, my standpoint that, I mean, the Chargers aren't good against tight ends. They haven't been all year. Uh, they do have, though, they do have a sort of potential tight end eraser in Derwin James. So that's something to keep an eye on. That's true. Uh, the last time they played, uh, Travis Kelsey did go for seven receptions on 11 targets for 104 yards. So I think that's another data point here that I guess we will lean toward over the 65 and a half. But uh, at least there's definitely variables that, I mean, could prevent this uh or i guess continue the trend that Travis kelsey's currently been on yeah yeah absolutely uh i think the chiefs will need to throw the ball more in this one and i think that definitely benefits travis kelsey now moving to maybe a little bit less of an exciting game because of the injury factor in this one but i think still just as important as a game as we talk about playoff positioning and that is the non-primetime matchup of the week packers traveling to baltimore to take on the ravens and do you, the, the line is five and a half here for the Packers. Understandable. Aaron Rodgers had a great game against the Bears. Lamar Jackson is banged up. You both are on the Packers. You both, I think, expect the Packers to maybe come out, win by, I don't know, 10 points seems possible. I have a feeling, though, Eric, and I, and I can't exactly explain to you where this feeling is coming from, but I have a feeling here that the Ravens, Maybe they don't win this game, but they do keep it closer than we're expecting here. And so I am picking the Ravens and taking the five and a half points. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a definitely a real possibility that the Ravens get back on track during this game playing at home. Uh, but kind of like you reference, I, I think the Packers have been absolutely on fire uh, with Aaron Rodgers coming back. And they're, I still think they are susceptible, susceptible in the defensive end. Uh, something we had a back and forth about when we were talking about our NFL predictions really early on or the beginning of the season uh, in the preseason. Um, and I think that's coming to fruition here. And I think the Packers will likely uh, take advantage of that uh, with their weapons getting healthy in Alan Lazar coming back, uh, I guess, fully healthy from a shoulder injury. Uh, Marcus Valdez scaling getting targets two weeks prior after uh, an extended stay on, I believe, the injured reserve. Um, I think they still need to identify their replacement for Robert Tunyon, uh, but they got some production out of some tight ends, such as Mercedes Lewis last week. And I think they're getting into a groove that I think the Ravens won't be able to answer uh, on this matchup. Yeah, again, there's not a lot of logic to this, I admit. I just have a feeling that the Ravens keep this one close keep this one interesting and so i think the five and a half points could end up mean being a big difference on this spread here now in terms of the over under i guess i'm once again in the minority which makes sense because i guess if you see the packers winning this game i think a a packers win or a packers cover does favor an over here and shadow producer brendan is along there with you in the over but because i'm picking the ravens and because picking the ravens with the points not necessarily to win outright 
I think an under really favors them here. I think if they can figure out a way to sort of control the clock, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field for as much as possible, that really favors them. And so if the Ravens are going to keep it close, like I have a feeling that they will, I'm expecting an under to hit here. 43 and a half points, by the way, the sp- the uh, over-under. I don't know if I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did, actually, because, I mean, I could see this game going 24 to 20, which was also be in your favor, and that'll hit the over here. So I I think Aaron Rodgers and, and whether it be Huntley or uh, Lamar Jackson, I think they'll be able to put up enough points to hit this over here. Maybe. Uh, again, again, I'm just riding this feeling I have where I think the Ravens are actually going to – hang around and, and again i think the under plays to their favor in that sense i think 24 20 line that you put out there is very reasonable but when it's so close i'm going to kind of kind of stick with this gut feeling that i have right now now for the props we have a couple running back ones and i think the first one is is the more interesting one and that is the battle between aj Dillon and aaron jones for the you know the sort of share of the carries in the running game and so the question pretty simple who do we expect to get more rushing yards, Dylan or Jones? And if this had been total yards, I think this is an easy Aaron Jones. But because Shadow Producer Brendan specified rushing yards, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to lean Dylan, not just because he's sitting in the flex spot of one of my fantasy teams, but because I think it has become a situation where he is the Mark Ingram, if you will, and Aaron Jones is the Alvin Kamara. He's going to get the in-between-the-tackles work, and then Aaron Jones is going to sort of show up all over the offense in different ways, but in ways that don't necessarily translate to high rushing totals. Yeah, this is a difficult question for me because I have both of these individuals on my roster in Brendan's League here, and I've always been thinking about possibly sneaking A.J. Dillon to my roster. Uh, since Aaron Jones got injured for that one week and came back, uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, A.J. Dillon has basically outpaced Aaron Jones on the ground. Uh, he's Aaron Jones has gotten 35 carries in the past two games against the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams, and uh, I think that they're primarily all on the ground. Uh, kind of like John referenced, if this was total yards, Aaron Jones might be more involved, but they seem to be protecting Aaron Jones a little bit more as they try to head into the playoffs, making sure he stays healthy on his knee. Uh, and that's probably why they're integrating Dylan more it's to uh, my chagrin. Uh, but it, it sounds like Aaron Dylan or AJ Dylan is more likely to get more rushing yards in this game. Yeah, I, I agree there. And then switching to the other side of the ball, still staying in the backfield with the running backs. He threw us one more shadow producer, Brendan of Devonte Freeman over under 50 and a half rushing yards. And I have a similar approach to this Baltimore team that I did I do the 49ers, even though the 49ers with Elijah Mitchell have proven me wrong a little bit in this. I don't ever bet on one particular bat getting the over. Latavius Murray is healthy. He could get some run if Lamar Jackson is out there. He's certainly going to be involved in the running game. And the other thing is, is that watching the Ravens, a lot of times they throw to Devontae Freeman and he gets more yards that way than he does necessarily running the ball. And so I'm going to hit the under here. Again, more out of philosophy than the actual individual matchup, but I don't know how you see this, Eric. I just think that it's hard to bet on overs when it comes to Baltimore running backs. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much faith in Devontae Freeman on this offense, to his credit. I mean, he's hit the over the past three games. He's pretty close in the game before that as well, 52-52-64 over his past three games. So he has hit the over pretty consistently. It sounds like the Ravens have found their lead running back. Uh, but I am anticipating uh, 
him being able to find much room against this Packers defense. So I'll, I'll lean toward the under here. And Brendan will round it out with a clean sweep on the under there. And so, again, I think both of these these highlighted matchups are going to be super exciting, and they're super important for playoff positioning. And I think going forward, we definitely will expect to highlight more of these games that have really playoff positioning on the line. But to close out this episode, Eric, we have, as always, our Spin the Wheel segment. And last week did not go so well. I'll just leave it as I was the only one who got their pick right, uh, not to uh, – brag or anything like that but that was the situation but we're gonna turn it around this week eric i know we will and i am up first so without further ado let's get this wheel spinning all right it's going and it has stopped and okay not a great game we'll see what i can come up with i got jets at dolphins yay yay this this is great um let me see let me not be boring and just take the line here, especially because it's a spicy line of 10 points. I don't know if I want to, you know, double down on that when it comes to the wheel parlay. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. Here's one I like. Pretty straightforward. But I think it's the best chance I have here. I'm going Dolphins under 26 and a half. The Dolphins have not been a high scoring team necessarily of late. I think of their last four games, they have only gone over this total once. And so, if I remember incorrectly, might be misremembering that. But either way, they have not been a super high-scoring team. And so, I don't expect that to change necessarily against the Jets. I would expect more so their defense to give the Jets trouble and then to prevail that way. And so, I will go with Dolphins under 26.5 at minus 115. Shout-out Bruce Brennan has pre-spun, as always. He landed on another just dandy of a game in Vikings at Bears. And he has gone with perhaps the biggest plus odds that we have seen, Eric, for any one individual bet on this wheel, at Vikings to win specifically between 7 and 12 points of odds of 390. So we could be going pretty big here with this parlay this week, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the pick. I think it's definitely reasonable for the Vikings to sit between that 7 and 12 point range. Uh, with that said, let me spin my game. Uh, and let's see who I need to pick for to round out our parlay. It looks like it's landing on the Seahawks at Rams game. So another divisional matchup. Uh We've got three divisional matchups this week, so that should certainly be fun for some chaos here. Uh, as I'm looking through our picks here, I did take a field goal prop last year, last week, so my shout away from that, although I admittedly do enjoy those. Um, I'm liking this interesting one. Longest touchdown by the Seahawks, because I'm thinking about the individuals that are on the Seahawks team, and uh, Tyler Lockett, who's been on fire lately. I'm anticipating them to get DK Metcalf more involved. Maybe Rashad Penny breaks off a long run. Uh, they are fa- facing off against individuals like uh, Daryl Henderson, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup. But uh, I-, I like my chances in this longest touchdown by the Seahawks at plus 120 here to add to our parlay. Okay, yeah, and another plus odds. So let me throw that in the calculator real quick. Uh, like I said, I expect this to be big. Oh, and it did not disappoint, Eric. Plus one thousand nine hundred and fifteen odds here Mm. we're almost at plus two thousand odds on this parlay and so we are still 
even at a 2-12 and record, we have still managed to keep slightly above positive units on this parlay this year. And this will either make or break us, Eric. Either we dip into the negative units and sort of let our listeners down as we try to give them good parlays each week, or we're just rolling in the units after this one, and uh, they can't catch us anymore for the rest of the season if we hit this one. Yeah, this will be a fun week of football as we have this parlay, and we have some Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Monday uh, night football. So uh, looking forward to this full week of football. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us this week, and I hope you guys have the best of luck in your fantasy matchups. Absolutely. Everyone enjoy their fantasy playoff matchups if you were so lucky to get in. Uh, I hope to be reporting back with two teams in the second round and uh, make sure all of your non-football related activities get done on that Friday because that is the only football free gate or NFL free day this whole weekend. And so best of luck, everyone. Again, as always, interact with us on social media. If you so choose at line up pod on Instagram and Twitter, and we will see you in week 16.